0: Let me tell you a little personal story. So I love chocolate, and I mean love it. I could eat it all day, every day, and in fact have on several occasions for three meals. You know, judge as much as you like. So when I say to myself, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm not having any more chocolate. I'm not eating chocolate at all, none. I usually last somewhere between five hours and five days. And then when I finally let myself have a piece, I'll eat the entire pack. And it happens every single time. Now (laughs) my self control issues aside, this is often what happens with our dogs. When we deprive them, when we say, no, you are not going in the river. No, you are not jumping up. You are not doing that thing that I don't want you to do. You're not doing it ever, not doing it today. It's not happening what happens it becomes more desirable they want to do it even more and so when they do get the opportunity that's the first thing they're going to do and that's so often why you think oh my gosh I've done so much management I've put so much into management and then as soon as I release the restrictions just a little bit my dog goes and does exactly what I don't want them to do okay so we're going to talk about that today we're going to talk about the difference between management proper management and deprivation parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist and each week on Letters from Your Dog we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here, let's get to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. So today we're going to be talking about the difference between management in our training and deprivation. And this is leading on from one of our popular episodes a couple of episodes back, which was the difference between crate training and crate abuse. So if you haven't listened to episode four, I believe it was yet, do go and check that out either before or after. There's no particular order here, but hopefully those two will tie in quite nicely together. So, I'm just going to dive in and start talking about what we mean by management. There's loads of different types of management, but this is often something that's suggested when people come to trainers or go onto internet forums or wherever it might be with a training difficulty or a problem. So, if someone comes and says, I've got this difficulty with my dog training, what do I do? And often what happens is we will give some advice that gives a bit of a combination of training and management so let's say for example your dog is a resource guarder so they're guarding their food bowl maybe and we'll say okay well here's the training that you need to do to help your dog feel more comfortable with their resources and you being close by but in the meantime we need to just manage that situation so that no one gets hurt firstly and, and that your dog is feeling comfortable so they're not constantly put in that situation where they feel like they have to guard um, which can lead to some you know real nasty things like toxic stress and all those kinds of things if that dog is stressed and repeating that guarding behaviour day after day after day. So that's just one example of what it might look like, but management comes in all shapes and forms So for example, you go to take your dog for a walk And maybe you're walking towards the park and you're going down some residential streets and some busy roads Most of us will be using some kind of lead maybe with a harness maybe with a collar Whatever it is that you're using but something that attaches your dog to your body And the reason that we do that is to keep them safe. So it means they can't run out into the road. They can't escape under someone's car and hide there. They can't go into someone's garden and potentially get told off or shouted at. It's a way of keeping them safe, knowing they're secure until maybe we can get to a place where they're allowed to come off, whether that's your house or in the park. And lots of places I know have rules that say that dogs can never come off the lead. Um, Fortunately, in the UK, we are allowed them off lead in most kind of public open spaces like parks and forest and things like that but it would be unusual to see a dog off lead on like a busy a road for example with the owner it does happen but it's unusual so management is often used for safety Um, and in my first example of resource guarding that was an example of safety but also in that example of using a lead or a harness. Another example which is really common is let's say you have a baby or a toddler and you have a dog and your baby's not old enough yet to understand that they shouldn't be pulling the dog's tail or poking the dog and maybe your dog is starting to get fed up with this as well they would do. So you need to think about okay I need to keep that dog safe emotionally and physically and I need to keep that baby safe emotionally and physically so management in that situation could look like maybe your toddler is playing on their playmat on one side of you and your dog is on their bed on the other so you are the management you're in between them or let's say you're busy doing something you've got your dog in a playpen or maybe you've got your toddler in a playpen so the dog's loose or the toddler's loose so again there's that something in the way just stopping that interaction when you can't be constantly watching them because it's impossible to watch them 24 hours a day (laughs) and the other thing that's a really really good example of management is actually how we set up our training. So this is something that you'll hear trainers talk about a little bit more. And we often say we want to set our dogs up for success. And that phrase gets thrown around a lot, but what does it mean? (laughs) Well, the idea is that we set up the training scenario so that our dog can win as much as possible. Because if our dog fails over and over again in the training situation, they're going to pick up from us that actually we're a bit disappointed maybe and smart dogs figure it out on their own they're like well I didn't get a reward so that must be that I'm doing something wrong don't really understand what bit confused and then they can either disengage from working with us or the training just doesn't move as fast as you like might like it to So an example of setting up a training situation for success could be something as simple as if you don't want your dog to run over to that other dog in class, maybe you've got your lead on to help you with that. But you might set it up so that there's a barrier in the way, so that that dog can't see the other dog. That means they're able to focus on their owner for the first couple of sessions. And then maybe when that focus is a little bit better, you can remove that barrier so that they they can see the other dog again. Because otherwise what starts to happen if you have a dog that's very stimulated by other dogs is that they're not listening or able to listen to their owner at all and they're just fixated on the other dog. They get more and more frustrated because they can't get to the other dog and again your training gets halted. So that's just one example of how you could set up your training session for a little bit of success. So let's move on now to thinking about deprivation. And deprivation is a strong word but I guess we don't always know that we're depriving our dogs or maybe we do but we think we're doing the right thing and this often comes from this kind of (laughs) pre-prescribed set of rules and they've come from years ago from real old old school dog training but they've just filtered through and filtered through they're part of our conditioning system in society and you hear people say well isn't this how it should be done (laughs) one example of this that always comes to mind is dogs being walked on the left of your body now I think this I don't think this is incorrect it could just be that bit of trivia that again has been passed down but I believe the reason for that is because back way back when you would have your hunting dog in your left hand and you'd have your gun in your right hand for your shooting which of which I do lots no I really don't (laughs) so that's I believe where it came from now Obviously there are still gun dogs around but the majority of us with pet dogs don't go around shooting and therefore it really doesn't matter whether you have your dog in your left hand or your right hand. For me personally I like to train my dogs to walk on both sides of my body because I never know when I might need one hand or the other or maybe I break my arm or maybe I've got two dogs that I'm walking which is usually the case for me. So I like my dogs to be flexible. I don't want them to be like oh my gosh I'm on the other side of her body. What is this? What is going on? I want them to be able to understand it on both sides. So when it comes to um, kind of thinking about deprivation and thinking about oh what is it that we do sometimes we do have these rules in place that maybe we think oh our dog can't possibly do that when really there's no real reason why they can't do these things it's just something that's been passed down another example might be never allowing them on the sofa now this is a personal choice I personally allow my dogs on the furniture some people don't that does come down to personal choice but it should be your personal choice not not just, oh, well, this is just how I've been told it should be. (laughs) If I had five pounds for every single person who tells me something they do with their dog in a training session and then gives me the guilty look like, oh, what are you going to say? And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. It's your dog. (laughs) Unless you're doing something to harm that dog. That's different, of course. But if you want your dog on the sofa or the bed, you crack on, you go for it okay so let's think of some examples of this so let's say you're walking in the park with your dog and your dog loves the water like love 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 loves the water and I've got a couple of these at home and you're walking past the river and your dog is desperate to go in that water absolutely desperate and when they do go in they have a wonderful time but you've decided that actually they're far too excited to go in that water they never listen they never recall they never come back out so actually they're never going in again No, we're walking past and what happens the dog gets very excited you drag them past nope you're not going in nope you're not going in and every single day it's the same repeating pattern what happens? Your dog wants to go in more than ever (laughs) because that's what they've, they're desperate to go in and you're saying no and so they're like, well it's even more exciting then, I must get to that river. So actually often when we completely deprive our dogs of something they want to do, they want it even more. So you're not going to get a calmer dog, you're not going to get a more relaxed dog walking past the river, you're going to get a dog that is absolutely desperate to go in that river. So how could you do that a little bit differently? Well, you could just ask for something. So let's say um, your dog wants to go in the river. You could say, can you touch my hand first? Wow, you can, amazing. Okay, in you go, go and have a swim. If you can't touch my hand, then maybe I need to move a little bit further back just so you're able to concentrate a little bit better. And you can build up on this. So eventually you might ask them to lie down and then they can go and swim. Or maybe you'll ask them to retrieve something and then they can go and swim. Other days, if you're in a bit of a rush or they've just been to the groomer and you've just spent £100 at the groomer the day before and they look up at you and they're like, can I? You kind of say, well, actually not today, pup. And you keep on walking. Now, it takes a while to get to the point where you'll be able to do that reliably off lead. But you are far more likely to get there quicker if sometimes you let them in on a condition of giving you a very simple hand touch let's say but sometimes you don't rather than just saying no you are never going in there apart from the one day a year when I deem that you're allowed to go in so just thinking about rather than depriving them allowing them but maybe you want to put a little condition on it and that's okay another example and this is quite similar this is dogs that are absolutely obsessed by the tennis ball okay if you have one of these dogs come and let me know (laughs) because it's very very common that dogs are just that tennis ball is god there is nothing else in my life but tennis ball when tennis ball is in front of my face I think of nothing but tennis ball you know those dogs you might have one yourself so what happens here often is that owners say, well, I just can't use a ball with my dog because as soon as I get it out, they're just, they're just completely fixated and there's nothing I can do. I can't get them to focus. I can't get them to listen. Even when I put the ball back in my bag, they're jumping up at my ball. They're staring at, they're jumping up at my balls, jumping up at my bag. They're staring at my bag. They're just completely obsessed. Rather than depriving that dog of that wonderful reward, I'd be thinking, wow, I've got something fantastic here. How can I use that to reward my dog for something in training? So if I know my dog loves their ball more than anything else in this world, I'll be thinking, okay, so I'm trying to teach you, let's say, to go around my body three times in a circle (laughs) just for the heck of it that's what I'm trying to train and as soon as my dog does it successfully I'm going to produce this secret tennis ball from out of my pocket I'm going to throw it and I'm going to give them the best reward of their life (laughs) so every reward up until that point has maybe been a bit of food or another toy and then when they do it perfectly the jackpot is that tennis ball now if I know my dog's gonna get really over aroused by that ball I would get it out throw it once swap it for a bit of food if I need to or whatever I need to swap it for to get it away from my dog if they don't know how to drop it and then it goes away and then we do some calmness training after that but what will happen over time is your dog is able to tolerate playing with that ball for longer periods and you can use it as a reward don't just deprive them of it think this is fantastic (laughs) okay so another example is training with absolutely no choice or not even training but just letting your dog live with no simple choices so again this is another example of one of those things that's just sort, of, sort of been passed down and we think mm, where does that really come from and does it really matter? So I was working with a lady the other day and she said that there's a certain road that she walks down with her dog it's towards the park and he desperately wants to cross the road onto the side of the road where the park is before she's ready to cross and I was like what do you mean before you're ready to cross? And She said oh well I mean, I just don't think he should be pulling me across the road. I think I should, you know, he should wait until I'm ready to cross. And I was like, well, why do you think he's pulling you? He said, well, he's excited to get to the park. I said, yeah. So have you done any work to help him feel calmer in the run up to the park? Oh, well, no, I've just kind of, I just expect him to to listen to me and that expectation that our dogs should just do what we want should just yield to our will when we haven't really done anything to show them how to do that or to help them to be calmer and all we've done is just get that repeated frustration every single day no don't pull me across the road no we're staying on this side of the road so what we did is we backed up we went back a couple of roads we walked back towards the road and this time as soon as we got there we crossed over to the side that he wanted to be on he walked beautifully now i'm not saying that would happen with every dog for some dogs you might need to do some loose lead walking training or some impulse control work or whatever it might be but for him he's just wanted to be on that side of the road and i said is it a big deal Is there any reason you need to be on the other side? She was like, no, not really. I just, you know, I just thought that he shouldn't really be in charge. I was like, he's not in charge. He's just excited. He wants to be on that side. You have no reason not to let him. He's walking beautifully. Job done. (laughs) So it doesn't always have to be complicated. Again, what she was doing there is she was depriving him. She was saying, nope, nope, nope. You're not doing that. We're staying on this side. We're staying on this side for no real reason they were having that repeated frustration that repeated battle every single day and it was really easily solved so just have a think are there any things that you're doing on a daily basis weekly monthly basis that's getting you and your dog into a conflict over and over again and is there some kind of hint of deprivation in there Is there something where you're saying, no, you're not doing that, and for no real reason? It's not dangerous, it's not very, very badly behaved, it's not something that's going to cause offence, but it's maybe just something you've got in the habit of saying no. Just think, is there a way that you can help your dog so that either they understand a different way of being, if it is something you really don't want them to do, so you help them to learn that, or actually is there a way of letting them have a little bit of what they want so that you don't have the fight (laughs) so just have a little think think if there's anything you can change up today and if there is do drop me an email and let me know what you've changed up so you can grab our email in the show notes just let me know what it is that you've changed and what if any difference it's had okay take care guys bye (laughs)